The mic is hot and the game is on. You're listening to News for the Nation podcast by Aces Nation, where we talk about nutrition, sports performance, the journey of a student athlete, and more. I'm Claire. I'm Zach. Time Time to to level level up. Welcome back, sports fans. Today's show is going to look a little different. Uh, Zach is out for the time being. He and his wife just welcomed a beautiful baby girl into the world. (laughs) Um, So today I have a special guest, Tiana Wood, who is our VP of Operations. Uh, Tiana was an All-American heptathlete at Boston College and then afterwards transitioned into her track coaching and strength and conditioning coaching career. She served as a track and field coach at the University of Maine, Limestone College, and West Texas A&M University. Although she's not a psychologist, Tiana is a certified sports psychology coach and has spent the last couple of years researching to compile resources for athletes that she did not have herself. And to share what she found, coupled with all of her experiences as both an athlete and coach, she wrote The Grit Book, a guided mental development journal. And... That all just scratches the surface. She's a wife, a mom to four boys, a track star. She's a runner, she's a track star. And an author. So welcome, Tiana. Thank you. Happy to be here as your first official guest. Yeah, yeah, we're excited. (laughs) Thanks for coming on. So I just gave a little bit of an introduction to you, but um, today I just thought we'd, we'd have you on and give you an opportunity to kind of walk our listeners through your time as an athlete and coach and how the grit book came to life through your research and experiences. Yeah. I mean, now that I'm this age, I feel like whenever somebody's like, oh, your track career, like, give me a rundown. Yeah. <laughs> That's a deep hole at this mm. point to go back down. But yeah. How much detail do you I want? Know. <laughs> <laughs> and even though I'd like to think high school was not that long ago at this point, it's uh, been a little while. So mm-hmm. Um, I mean, to start, I guess I did sports as a kid, you know, I wide range of my parents were kind of the family that was like, we'll let you try everything and Mm -hmm. you can just keep going on whatever you like. And so we kind of went down that path to begin with. But I remember (laughs) a specific instance of playing basketball. I think it was probably maybe fifth grade, like elementary level Mm -hmm. stuff. And, uh, my coach was like, you know, you have some talent, like, but you like to run a lot, so maybe you should go try out for the track team. Yeah, and maybe this like, isn't for you. <laughs> I'll take that as a hint. A nice way to should... say that. <laughs> so I took his advice, and I think by seventh grade, um, I was kind of fully invested in the track thing. Mm-hmm. So I started out in an event that I never did again. Um, I was in the six, running the 600 meter. They thought that that would be okay. a good one for me, but pretty quickly we realized that like I was probably better off in some of the jumping events the more technical stuff Mm -hmm. so I got to kind of explore all of that I started out hurdling in the hallways of our middle school over these foam hurdles like Mm -hmm. running we'd have to stop when people open the door (laughs) had to walk down like you know (laughs) backpack and toe down the hallways and we'd have to stop our sprinting but um it was a fun experience, and I think that's what really hooked me in the beginning was just it was a lot of fun. Mm-hmm. I had some friends doing track with me. My best friend for life, who was also my next-door neighbor, did track with me, so it was kind of like a just a fun hangout time, mm-hmm. and I got to explore doing something I enjoyed. So 
I think that's what got me going. Um, I kept my same coaches. We had like the combined middle school, high school type situation. Gotcha. So I got to do, um, continue on with like the same coaches and teammates and things. So that's cool. That's not common. No, not anymore. And they did split it up, um, after that point, Mm -hmm. after I left a couple years later. So it was probably a unique experience to have, but I really enjoyed, uh, kind of getting to just grow with the same people. And yeah, I lucked out in having a staff of pretty experienced coaches. Um, my jumps coach actually was a, in, uh, he went to the Olympic trials in his own right. So wow, we didn't so really had some really experienced coaches. Yeah. That's we didn't cool. even realize it at the time. We, you know, it was something we found out when we were like digging on our coaches just to see what <laughs> we could find for Who fun. Who is this person? <laughs> yeah. So we'd bring that back to him and be like, why didn't you tell us? Yeah. Um, that but seems yeah. pretty important, but yeah, you that's really cool. And seventh grade, I feel like from a track perspective is a pretty young age. Maybe just from my experience of that's, that sport is not really big in, in Maryland right. where I grew up, but I feel like seventh grade is pretty young to start that particular sport and be pretty dedicated mm-hmm. to that one thing. Yeah, I think so. I think I had a, a pretty unique experience in that. And we also did the kind of, like I by ninth grade, I was starting the multi-events, which wasn't a big thing for most people, but we had the opportunity to try it, like a pentathlon or a heptathlon outside. So we would do that. But I feel like we, you know, we do cross country and everything too, Mm because most, you know, track athletes do cross country, especially at the high school level. Mm -hmm. So I would do that, but I'd be, you know, practicing shot put during cross country season and then I'd go out there and like participate in cross country I was awful (laughs) I was so slow I didn't make it past like a mile every time and I'd you know do the like good old try but I would drop out after like a mile or walk the rest or whatever but um it was good to prepare for kind of the I think that prepared me early for the structure of what like college training is like where you're preparing Mm -hmm. the entire fall you start to compete for indoors and you're kind of refining your skills and then you're peaking for like those big out indoor meets and then outdoor season. Right. So. Then by high school, I guess I was, you know, we had kind of a unique situation where our team was, was very talented overall. So mm-hmm. we got a lot of opportunities to compete at um, bigger events. So we'd do the state meet and mm-hmm. we won that um, several years in a row. And then our parents helped fundraise to get us to nationals, and they'd take a lot on to mm-hmm. be able to get us to do that. So they'd sell snacks during the year and yeah. then, like, you know, purchase tickets for a smaller group of kids to go compete at the nationals, maybe for a relay or jumping or right. whatever. Yeah. So I got the opportunity to do that, which led to junior year, the you know, getting to compete at um, – it was the Armory in New York. Mm-hmm. And at that particular time, I won the pentathlon. Um, so that opened up a lot of recruiting opportunities, yeah. mm-hmm. which is a big part of why, um, the grip book came about as well, because I was just thinking back to all these probably missed opportunities at the time, mm-hmm. but, um, how unprepared I felt for, for the whole thing. And I was super shy as a kid. Yeah. And so the recruiting phone calls were just torture. Brutal. <laughs> like, sure. My mom would call and I'd be like, I'm not here. She'd be like, you know, they're on the phone and they want to talk to you and it's important. I'm like, (laughs) okay. So I'd kind of muster up the courage and have this like super awkward conversation and they were probably like, oh gosh, like this girl's talented, but she's going to be rough on the team. (laughs) She might not fit in. She won't make any friends. So long story short, I only went on two recruiting trips. Mm -hmm. Um, 
Villanova and Duke University. Okay. And I kind of ignored all of the rest. And, mm-hmm. you know, the I'd get letters from a place like a Texas A&M or an A&M wherever, Alabama A&M or something, and I'd be like, I didn't even know what that was. Like, I was from the Northeast. Mm-hmm. A&Ms are not a thing. Right. Yeah, they're, no, they're not. <laughs> so I would be like, I don't know. What do you guys think about this to my parents? And they'd be like, why do you need agriculture and mechanics? Like, I don't think that that's going to be something that's going to benefit you in the long run, which little did I know if you want to be a track coach for your life that, mm-hmm. you know, it doesn't really matter. No. <laughs> what matters is, you know, what you're learning about your craft. So, yeah, that was a... Uh, interesting to navigate. I'm, I had my mom come on my recruiting trips with me and I made a quick decision was like, okay, Villanova was a, a pretty good visit, mm-hmm. you know, it's beautiful there. Yeah. yeah. Nothing seemed out of place. Coach seemed great. I was like, okay, let's do this. Okay. So I signed, I went, um, didn't pan out to be the type of experience that I would have hoped for, mm-hmm. I guess. Um, you know, there's like that weird adjustment period between high school and freshman year and yeah. learning. And like I said, my high school track experience was super fun. And it was about yeah enjoying yourself. Yeah. And even though we were competitive and we were good, we just had fun. Like we were jokesters. We'd yeah pull pranks on our coaches when mm-hmm. we'd go on like different trips for meets and things. Yeah. So when I got to college and it was so like strict. This is what you're going to do. This is your schedule. This is how you should eat. This is what, you know, it was just, it was that adjustment period. And I, I didn't adjust very well. I had a similar experience just from that transition, like Mm -hmm. my high school, especially my junior and senior year, like we were very close. Like all of us were very close. We would hang out every single weekend and then you get to college and it's the similar thing of you're in a new place, you're with new people. And the structure of the teams look different just because they're very separated, mm-hmm. I guess you could say, like men's and women's. And then the structure of it, of like everything is different and you're on your own and it's competitive, but to another level. It's not the same as high school. Yeah. And, and that level hard. of freedom too Yeah, that you're not used to. You're used to living with your parents and, you mm-hmm. know, your curfews this time and, you know, you're going to make sure you get your homework done and this and that. Mm-hmm. And I was still a pretty structured person and I was you know, big into my academics. So it wasn't that I really struggled adjusting there necessarily. It was more like, I'm used to my mom preparing these meals, these healthy meals that I like to eat. And I go to a dining hall and there's pizza and pasta and Mm -hmm. bagels. And (laughs) And that's it. (laughs) And like all this other food that I don't really want to eat anyway, like chicken fingers or whatever, you know. Yeah. So I got really stuck on like, okay, well, I mean, I like pasta. That's always worked for me. But yeah. Dining halls have come a long way, I think. <laughs> <laughs> Agreed. So I, uh, you know, I gained some weight, which was very mm-hmm. unlike me. Um, I'd never had that problem before. Mm-hmm. So I just felt a little off. Like everything felt a little off. And my coach and I's relationship didn't go the way that I kind of had hoped it would go or expected it to go. And my um, training was so different that I felt like I was regressing in a lot of ways. And I yeah. was. Yeah. But at that point, I got in my head about it. And so I'd go compete and I'd be like, I don't understand. Like, I'm not as good as I was in high school and I can't figure out why I can't even catch up to where I was in high school. Mm-hmm. Um, so then I, it led, led to extra training practices. It led to like 
things like, okay, well, until you can run a mile in this time at practice, we're not going to work on other skills. Hmm. And I was a heptathlete. I was used to doing a little bit of everything. And that was where I really found enjoyment in it. Like I Mm -hmm. loved practicing long jump and triple jump and doing the high jump. So yeah, it was, it was a struggle. Um, so I decided sort of, I didn't tell anybody, but I decided (laughs) I wasn't going to go back after my freshman year. So I went home for the summer and I, I remember the, the exact moment I was like in the pool, you know, talking to my mom and I was just like, I'm not going to go back. Mm -hmm. So what do I do? Help. (laughs) So, um, I know this is pretty long winded, but there's a lot in there that, um, is kind of where the grip book comes from. So I ended up at Boston college because it was close to home. Mm -hmm. They had recruited me originally because they knew who I was out of high school. So they, at that point they were willing to take a chance on me because, you know, they had followed my career. Right. Um, which I was really grateful for. Yeah. So I, I started going there and I started catching up to where I used to be and eventually exceeding where I used to be. Yeah. Um, and I graduated and I felt like I had unfinished business just because of how all of the rest of that had gone. Yeah. So I decided to look around for coaches to continue training after college. I didn't really understand the landscape or how that worked in track and I knew there wasn't mm-hmm. any money in it, but I was like, you know what? for you. Yeah. If I can yeah. find a coach that'll still coach me, I'd love to do it. So... I ended up at University of Alabama. A coach there um, was still training uh, an athlete he had coached in college as a post-collegiate, so I'd have a training partner. Yeah. Um, so I went there and started training there. We had a lot of ups and downs there, and it ended up not turning out the way I'd hoped. But mm-hmm. once again, the unfinished business thing, so that led me into coaching mm-hmm. and kind of the exploring all of the things that had happened to me and the reasons that they would have why they happened and um, my part that I played in those things that I could have done differently. And Mm -hmm. that's kind of where I came up with the material for this. Um, The grip book itself, there was a day here at Aces Nation um, where I came in and I was talking to our CEO, Tim Livingston, and I said, you know, I just saw this, this ad for a journal and it's a, just a, a journal for training, but it's supposed to help with the mental side, like a sports psychology one. And I was like, I don't know why I didn't think of this. Like mm-hmm. I, So he said, you know what, order it, and we'll see what it is. So I ordered it, and I opened it up, and it was like 365 pages of the exact same thing. It was, you know, what did you do? What did you get out of it? I don't know. I might have had a, a quote and then like one question, but mm-hmm. it was always the same. Yeah. It was just like record, record what you did. Kind yeah. Of thing. Just like a general reflection mm-hmm. of the day. Right. And I was like, I don't know. This just doesn't. Yes, it allows you to look back on what you wrote down throughout the year, but mm-hmm. it doesn't force you to explore why mm-hmm. or ask you any questions that kind of lead you to the answers why. Mm-hmm. And I said, I don't know why I didn't think of this, though. This is like what? Well, like, why did I not come up with a product like this? And he said, why don't we? Mm-hmm. And I was like, you know what? Why don't we? Yeah. <laughs> Let's do it. Right. <laughs> so I started writing down some questions that would make people kind of explore those concepts. So the psychological skills training concepts that I had done some research for for my athletes when I was coaching. And I had use these individual exercises in a way that I thought would be helpful, but I'd never thought of them kind of compiled into a system or, you know, a building block process for them. 
So as I started writing down these questions, it was bringing up personal experiences. Mm -hmm. I was like, okay, well, if someone was trying to explain this concept to me, I feel like a story around that concept would help me understand why I was doing this Mm -hmm. or what the benefit would be. So I started writing down little instances that were coming to mind of each of these questions, basically. Mm -hmm. And then I was like, I I feel like now I have a, a full story and questions like, Maybe I have a format for something that isn't out there, mm-hmm. or I haven't seen at least. So I just started putting it together in this format, and it turned out to be a, a decent-sized book. <laughs> yeah, yeah, and that sounds a lot more helpful, like your personal experiences and stuff, or even just like you said, like some of the teachings from the research you've looked at versus here's a blank page, fill it. But some athletes, and I know I had no idea about from a sports psychology perspective until I got to college and we were lucky enough to work with one. Um, but you don't know what you're looking for. You don't know, like you can reflect back on the day and mm-hmm. say, yeah, training went well or training didn't go well. But you know, most of what you're looking at of it didn't go well because I was tired or right. I didn't eat right or whatever. And maybe it's 50% from a mental perspective and something's not happening psychologically or or something is happening psychologically Mm -hmm. and that's playing a role in that but they don't even know what to look for in that case in that sense yeah so I think that's really great that you were able to like compile those pieces too to further help those athletes explore and and make changes if they need to yeah and I think a lot of these being that they can be their learned skills Mm -hmm. um I think the younger you explore some of these things the easier it gets to apply them you know when you get to the college level so Mm -hmm. I was trying to think of a way to make it relatable for high school age kids too Mm -hmm. some of the the concepts you could do even younger than that I think but it's it's a much different approach because you know they're not as reflective at that age to be able to right but I think it's great too that you had a sports psychologist on staff because mm-hmm. you know that's a relatively new thing and a lot of schools still don't and I didn't have uh, one. But I ha- I was lucky to have a coach that cared enough about that aspect that mm-hmm. that's what um, introduced me to a lot of these different skills. Mm-hmm. He would print out individual chapters and give us homework mm-hmm. to do, um, which we actually really enjoyed. I don't know that most people would want to do that. Yeah. <laughs> but being a heptathlete and kind of exploring the skill level into all of these individual events, we were really big into anything that could make us that little bit better to get yeah. a few more points. Mm-hmm. So I was happy to uh, do those. I mean, we, we joked with him about like, oh, more homework outside of yeah. class. Like but we have more time to do all these things. <laughs> yes, exactly. <laughs> but um, it really helped a lot. And I used bits and pieces of those teachings and the things that he gave us from that particular book in the grip book as well. Mm -hmm. So that text has played a big role. Yeah, that's great. Who would you say, like you mentioned, it's for maybe more high school, college athletes, but who was your target audience when you were writing the grip book? Uh, High school and college, for sure. I think in general, you'll see that... um, girls tend to journal Mm -hmm. just in more, um, in higher levels than boys. Mm -hmm. But I was wanting to make sure that the grip book covered all sports, even though my experience is in track. Mm -hmm. And I wanted to make sure that it was accessible to 
girls and boys Mm -hmm. across the board. So I tried to, when I put in examples, you know, I'd create a fictitious person Mm -hmm. and make them in a different sport or, um, you know, have it be a male soccer player Mm -hmm. or um, just to to show that it's relatable no matter what. Mm -hmm. I mean, track is is much different in that it's an individual event. Yeah. So a lot of my experiences personally won't match a team event athlete. Mm -hmm. But the examples I gave, I tried to lead um, a a team event person to explore what that would look like in their environment. Mm -hmm. Okay, cool. Yeah, we did. Like I said before, I was very lucky. I think it was more so at the end of college um, to have access to a sports psychology. Some of them were students, some of them were like professors in the program. Um, but we worked a lot on visualization and like mm-hmm. guided visualization. So can you talk a little bit about maybe what your experience is with that? And if you find it helpful, if it is helpful, does it make a huge difference? And would you recommend athletes practice visualization for competition? Yeah, definitely. I think it's um, kind of a hidden gem kind of thing. Mm-hmm. If you can get good at it, and it is something that you can get good at if you practice it. I think it has many different forms and can look different for a lot of people. You could, um, you know, the way that it worked for me may not be the same exact way that it works for someone else, but I think that it can be in a guided form by a coach. You could have, I have an example in the grip book about, you know, a coach bringing everyone into a space where they can sit and relax and kind of going through a script Um, where each person internally is individualizing that script Mm -hmm. to how it applies to them, but it's being guided in a way that's, you know, forcing them to think about certain things. And I think that that can be helpful in the very beginning when you're learning about it too. Mm -hmm. And then as far as personally, visualization was big for me um, for technique. So individual Mm -hmm. positions I wanted my body to be in throughout a movement, take long jump, for example, I would lay down, close my eyes, maybe just a couple minutes before competition, I'd try to go picture every part of my jump, Mm -hmm. how it would feel in each position, um, what muscles are doing what. And that's partly based on how you feel when you've already completed the event many, many times. So, you Mm -hmm. know, you're translating, it's kind of that psychosomatic mind-body connection where you're trying to go back and forth. And then a lot of times I would add... I would stand up, I would be aware and, you know, eyes open, but I would go through those same things in my head. I might add some verbal cues in there Mm -hmm. um, and then add some movement. So no, I'm not flying through the air while I'm walking next to the runway visualizing, but I might be putting my arms in the air, lifting a knee as I'm timing it with that visualization. And I found that to be super helpful. Yeah, that's awesome. So Mm -hmm. it's kind of pulling together all of these, like you mentioned before, like mind-body connection in different ways mm-hmm. to get you prepared, but also to really build that connection for when you're doing it for real. <laughs> right. And even in visualizing um, things that haven't happened, so right. outside of the technique. So another a big way to visualize is, is what that end result looks and feels like for mm-hmm. you. So do you f- see yourself on the podium? Do you feel, you know, in a big huddle with your teammates and you're celebrating that big win? Um, and I think that that's the time and place to focus on kind of the end goal. Mm -hmm. And when you're actually competing, that's the time and place to focus on like your tasks. Like what can I do technically in this moment to stay in this moment Mm -hmm. and be completing what I need to do to make sure I am 
you know, contributing my part to that big win. Yeah, that's a good segue into another question. Other than maybe that visualization, is there anything in particular that you would suggest for athletes that can be helpful to stay in the moment? Because I think sometimes we get caught up in, you know, just maybe the crowd or maybe we made a mistake and then Mm -hmm. our focus is on that. So how can an athlete just stay in the present versus focusing on future or past? Definitely. Um, I think that the, of course, the preparation and practice that come before those big moments is huge. Mm -hmm. And those are the the places where you can improve your skills for in the moment. So, you know, there's a lot of things around attentional control, um, arousal level as it relates to your sport. So like in, for that one, in a particular moment, like, should I be super hyped up? Um, Mm -hmm. Like, is this an event where I need to just be like ready to explode? like a shot putter or something Mm -hmm. like you need that one burst of energy right versus you know is it a long slow race Mm -hmm. where I need to be focused on hitting splits and Mm -hmm. making sure my movements are intentional and I'm not expending extra energy or something right so making sure that you understand those different levels and applying them at the time um but I think that those moments of preparing outside and understanding the things that you can control versus can't control helps a lot with that in the moment. Mm-hmm. So one of the exercises that we used to do, um, I did put, you know, in the grip book to share how that helped me was competition mapping, mm-hmm. we called it. Okay. So this is a, a visual representation of all the things you can control mm-hmm. versus can't. So yeah you can write down a list of how you're going to prepare for that day. Like, what am I going to pack? What should I have ready to eat? Um, You know, do I have my uniform ready? Then you write down the things within your game or competition that you're responsible for. So, you know, for me, I'd write down, okay, high jump. What am I paying attention to? Mm -hmm. Am I going to, you know, think about my approach run? And then what are my cues for that approach run? Um, so am I going to think, okay, my left foot's going to strike. I'm going to drive my knee hard. I'm going to arch, mm-hmm. you know, like what is the sequence of events that I can control? Right. And then it may be even helpful to write down some things you can't control. So mm-hmm. like if the weather's bad that day, is that anything I need to worry about? No. Like I just need to do the best I can in that moment mm-hmm. if it's raining. Right. Um, can I control if you know, something goes wrong in the game specifically that like some my teammates get, gets hurt or something. Mm-hmm. Um, what am I going to do that I'm in control of to help that? Like, am I going to worry about that right in the moment? Or right. maybe there's an annoying person in the crowd that keeps yelling. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, or throwing stuff at you. Yeah, exactly. Um, so those aren't things that you have any control over and it's no sense in worrying about and mm-hmm. it's going to take away from that performance. So just staying in that attentional focus in Mm -hmm. the things that you can control. Yeah. um, That's the biggest thing about taking the anxiety off of you, I think. Yeah. I I like that word intentional and that Zach talks about that a lot of like, what is the intent? So I think that's great to reiterate of the intention of what you're focusing on and what you're doing Mm -hmm. is not to, you know, focus on other people or look at the things around you, but it's to focus on yourself and and that can help you stay in the moment. Awesome. We've talked a little bit about uh, the grip book is geared toward competitive athletes. Obviously as competitive athletes, that kind of innate competitive mindset or competitive just personality is present. 
how can you maybe separate like using that to your benefit versus maybe when it can be detrimental or, or maybe when it can hurt an athlete? Like, is there a such thing as being too competitive or that mindset being, you know, hurtful? Yeah. I mean, I think it depends on how you control it. Mm -hmm. So, or where you channel it, I should say. Um, I think that mindset is what makes great athletes great. Um, but knowing how to apply it kind of just to you personally. So of course you're competing against other people and mm -hmm. that's the end goal is to win over the other people, right. <laughs> but making sure that you're competing with yourself mm -hmm. in order to make that happen. So I think it kind of ties back to, um, the focus and not worrying about things out of your control is how are you judging that particular game or competition against how you've performed before mm -hmm. and focusing on that. And then the overall impact of that is going to, you know, be a positive in if you're always improving over that last version of you. I think where it becomes an issue is when you kind of are always in that fight or flight. So mm -hmm. everything's competitive when it's not necessarily beneficial to <laughs> the actual competition or yeah. in the moment. No, that's a good point because, I, I mean, I've certainly had teammates or maybe been in an environment where it's like practice is a competition and like outside of practice, like school is a competition, like everything, like mm -hmm. you said, it's like that constant fight or flight because maybe you are in classes with, with a bunch of teammates or just the, you know, you're fighting for a spot to play or um, to race and whatever. And it's just that constant, like I'm competing, competing, competing. So you're not really ever allowed to channel that into when it's important right. or when it's the most needed. So I think that's helpful. Awesome. One last question, maybe, maybe this will be a good place to end on, but how can athletes or what advice do you have for athletes to deal with losing and pressure and expectation? So again, obviously as athletes, we want to win. We want to be better than we were yesterday. Mm -hmm. We want to do the best we absolutely can. Sometimes things happen that are maybe either within or without our control that cause us to lose or, you know, let people down or put too much pressure or expectations on ourselves. So what would you say to those athletes? Yeah, losing is... <laughs> It sucks. <laughs> yeah, it sucks. There's no way to say that it doesn't suck or that it's not going to feel bad. It's, it is. And actually, <laughs> I've learned the losing stuff the hard way because, um, unfortunately, and, you know, it sucks to admit, but I was a pretty sore loser, mm -hmm. especially in high school before I kind of, I don't think I ever lost that, like, intense feeling but I learned how to control it and mm -hmm. especially and to kind of keep it in. Yeah. Um, whereas in high school, I can remember a particular meet where I um, I had this like big time competitor in high school. It was me and this girl. And depending on who had like a slightly worse day that, mm -hmm. you know, the other person would win. Yeah. So uh, there was this particular race. It was a hurdle race and I lost and I was upset. Mm -hmm. And my, you know, I took off and it was time to go get my medal for second. And I did not want that medal. Mm -hmm. I was like, I don't care. I don't want to go up there. I'm not going to stand there and get a second place medal. Mm -hmm. And my coaches tried to come over and comfort me. And like, you know, yeah, you know, there's always next time you need to learn from this. And I was not having it. And my mom came over to me and was like, you need to get over there and get over it and stand up there. You know, most people would be happy to be in that position. Mm -hmm. So you need to get yourself together yeah. and get out there. And I did. Mm -hmm. um, I tended to, you know, listen and 
when I had to. (laughs) (laughs) So from that moment, I kind of realized she kind of put me in my place like, hey, it's fine to feel like that, but you need to learn how to grow from this and Mm -hmm. control that. Um, So I think the biggest message with losing is being able to take that moment, take that feeling and sit down and reflect on it. Mm -hmm. Like, what could I have done to have been better in that moment? Mm -hmm. What did I learn from this and from that feeling? And what lessons can I take away for next time? Yeah. So, you know, that's something that I really encouraged here um, because I wanted to ask pointed questions Mm -hmm. to make people have that that moment of realization Um, because some people can, you know, you lose and you don't want to get used to losing. Like you don't want (laughs) to take that feeling and be like, oh, well, our team sucks. We always lose, so whatever. Like we need to, as a team too, especially in those team sports, like all come together. Like what did I do to contribute Mm -hmm. or not do to contribute to, you know, this result? So how could I improve that? Right. There's a difference between losing and saying, uh, we lost. It's okay. Mm-hmm. It happens sometimes versus we lost. This sucks. I hate it, but we can learn from it and grow from it. Right. Yeah. Yeah. So like I said, I can't say that you ever get used to it or that it feels good ever, but I definitely think that you can improve your reaction to it. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, is there anything that you want to leave our listeners with? I don't know. I just think that reflection is something that, and you know, Developing the mind alongside developing the body is something that's kind of still catching up. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, we talk all the time, me and you, about how like nutrition was kind of left out of the equation for a long time and it's mm-hmm. starting to become a big part of it. Yeah. I think the mental training side is coming along the same path. Yeah. So I think uh, taking time to sit down and kind of break down your reactions to things, your reasoning for things, how um, your mindset and the way that you talk to yourself, that's something we didn't even touch on today, but Mm -hmm. it's a huge one is um, how you are talking to yourself in these moments of pressure and anxiety, how you can improve those and talk positively to yourself in a way that's going to benefit you Mm -hmm. in the moment. So I'd say, um, you know, making sure that whatever tool that is, whether you learn to meditate um, whether you start to trying to visualize, whether you start journaling, whatever it is, to sit down and think about how that relates to your sport and how that can make you better. Mm-hmm. Yeah, well, we'll definitely have to have you back on. There's <laughs> there's so much about mental development and resiliency that we didn't even mm-hmm. touch on that I'm sure everybody would love to hear your experience and your thoughts on. So thanks so much for being with us today. Um, if anybody's interested in purchasing the Grip Book, it is available at Barnes & Noble. Yep, Correct. any major uh, bookseller and, on, well, it's online at Barnes & Noble and mm-hmm. any major bookseller. And then um, through our website at acesnation.org, you yep. can order your discount copy. Awesome. Um, it's a great tool. I would definitely suggest purchasing one, whether you're a coach and you purchase it to use for your team or an athlete and you're just looking to um, really focus on your, your mental piece of your game. It's a tool that I wouldn't pass up using. So thanks again for coming on. Thanks so much for having me. It was fun. Awesome. We'll catch you in the next one, guys. All right.